0: Get with Take us. it away, boys. <laughs> you guys ready? Outro
1: login is John fucking Weld.
0: <laughs> man, oh. all all my passwords have some part of my dog's name in him who just died last week. So every time I log into anything, I'm like, oh man, Norbert. What's the name of that? That, that horrible dog you had at our house? That wasn't a horrible dog. That was Sambo. He was a very Sambo. good dog. Christ. I can't believe you guys <laughs> hit like, it that he went up. The, I can't believe he scaled up there and did that. I know. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> That's actually a really funny story. I recite that from time to time. Lewis, are you over your asymptomatic long COVID? Uh, seemingly. All right. All right. Welcome to Hammer Factor episode 88. This really is 88. My name is John Grace, producer at the show. I'd like to introduce my co-host, Lewis Geltman, policy director for the Outdoor Alliance, and John Weld, co-owner of Immersion Research. We've got a big show lined up, guys. We've got a report from the North Fork Championship. We've got Jennifer Crimes on who is the uh ladies champion out there. We've got Brian Miller and Landon Miller, both now world champions in freestyle C one in. And uh yeah, we got <laughs> listener mail, rants and raves, all the good stuff. What's so funny, Liz? What's so funny? <laughs> 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 <Nothing>. <laughs> What, what's so funny? What? <laughs> do I have something on my face or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. What do you guys like? All right. At? <laughs> all right. What do you all been up to?
2: How many <coughs> downloads have you had? You, you ran, did the math the other day. I was kind of impressed by this number.
0: We've had 750,000 downloads to the Hammer Factor. Are we going to.
2: We need to have like a special prize for the millionth downloader.
0: <laughs> I wish we could track that because that would be a really good prize. Um, That's
2: a lot of time wasted right there, man. I did that. Oh it's, it's something like a million and a half hours
1: of collective human potential wasted on this.
2: We could have solved climate change with that kind
0: of manpower. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> It's going to take something like that. Um, so what's been going on? Lewis, you got a... news up. in the legislature. Oh, what's going on?
2: Well, the Supreme Court really did us a solid last week.
1: Uh, two in a row. I... am
2: no, not talking about Roe v. Wade. I'm talking about uh, the
1: EPA. West thing. Virginia, v. EPA. Yeah, yeah. I, I had finally just skimmed it right before we jumped on. I'd been... I don't know, I've been off work for the last week just on vacation, and I was like, I'm not reading this right now. It's just going to fill me with unquenchable rage. And so I just put it off, and so I finally skimmed it this morning. I don't know. I don't know where to start, man. It's like everything's fucked. It's terrible. It's... Do you guys know anything about this? I feel like John, you and I talked about it at dinner the other night, and I made some half, half-assed attempt at Pretending I understood the, all the ins and outs of it, but
2: yeah, you went you went deep into the <clears throat> into the back into the backstory. But I mean, the thing about the Supreme Court right now is it's like
1: you know, I mean, destroying Roe v. Wade is almost like a side project for those guys, right? It's like those right wing Supreme Court justices are put there by you know, the Federalist Society and Coke Industries and, you know, all these other right-wing reactionaries who, you know, make, you know, unholy amounts of money in these polluting industries. And it's like this West Virginia, the EPA thing, like that's what they're really there to do is to, you know, destroy the administrative state and like roll us back to, you know, a time before the New Deal when there were administrative agencies that did things like protect worker health and regulate pollution so i mean that's where this is all coming from it's like i mean the case had to do with um the authority of the epa to regulate uh you know emissions from from power plants under the clean air act and it had to do with whether um you know they were basically required to regulate emissions reductions from a coal-powered plant or if they could say we're regulating the entire electricity Generation system, and you have to achieve these reductions that you're only going to be able to achieve by shifting from coal fired power plants to natural gas or renewables. And, um, you know, the Supreme Court has basically made up this major questions doctrine, which is the idea that, you know, even though the Clean Air Act pretty clearly gives EPA the authority to do this. This said, well, this is like a pretty big deal and it's going to cost a lot of money. And so like you need, you know, Congress has to be like extra super explicit that they want you to do what you're doing here. Otherwise, you can't do it. And it's just this like, you know, idea that they just made up out of whole cloth in order to just throw sand in the gears of us, you know, addressing problems in a timely fashion. And it sucks. It's a big deal. And it's going to, you know, have repercussions way beyond just the EPA and you know, our continued survival on Earth, there'll probably be plenty of other stuff too. So, does that make any sense? <laughs>
0: it does, but <laughs> it's so over my head that it's hard for me to... I mean, but aren't there economic forces that no matter this is happening or not, like coal is just kind of outpaced by natural gas and other For sure, anyway? and I mean, that was part of what was so
1: yeah for sure and that was part of what was so crazy about this case is that it was all about the obama administration's clean power plan which never went into effect and the emissions reductions have already been achieved through market forces so i mean the the supreme court was even hearing this case to begin with it's crazy because there's no live controversy it's like the thing is dead and you know they should have just not heard this case there's going to be a new rulemaking, and so basically this is like a you know it's them trying to thwart EPA in advance of them coming up of the next iteration of of you know trying to to achieve greenhouse gas emissions reductions.
0: They're so. making some news. The Supreme Court's making some news, that's for sure. I, in my adult life I can't remember anything like this. That is it's sure.
1: fucking nuts, man. I mean they've just I mean you know I mean I went to law school, you know it's like I had like a certain degree of reverence for you know the law and the supreme court and you know between that i mean you know really overturning roe v wade i mean it's like just they've just cratered their legitimacy i mean they have no i mean just like the degree like how radical what they are doing is is it's just hard to find words for it i mean it's like it's just not a. I mean they've the supreme court i mean it's like they they deserve to be radically restructured and i hope you know i don't think biden's gonna do it because i think he just wants things to go back to how they used to be and is living in a fantasy world about that but i mean he, you know the democrats would be well within the bounds of, of an appropriate response to like you know radically restructure the court which congress has the power to do you know
0: I don't know. Anyway. It's all happens so fast, and I've kind of been a little tuned out. And then I tuned back in, and it's, <clears throat> I'm hearing everything you're talking about. I read an article this morning about the deforestation in Brazil of the rainforest, and this and that. And I just had to tune out.
1: We should talk about kayaking, man. This <sighs> is too grim.
0: You guys want to hear about the North Fork? My experience up at the North Fork. Yeah. <sighs> Funny story. So, a guy comes up to me at the bar. I kind of felt a little violated be honest it comes up and he's like he's like hey you know can i buy you a drink you know i'm like oh man i got a drink i appreciate it you know he's like well you know let me get you a drink you know what i was like well i've got a drink and like there's another one coming right over there and actually super rep max blackburn was buying me a drink and so then all of a sudden i'm holding two drinks and he's like well fine and he takes a 20 dollar bill and like stuffs it in my pocket he goes just keep making the hammer factor and walked off and so that was kind of like my intro to the shame. Then about 10 minutes later, we broke the floor.
1: Were you there for that, Lewis? I thought you were going to say 10 minutes later, you got COVID. <laughs> no, that was you.
0: That was you who got COVID. How was your COVID experience?
3: It was
1: good, man. I, uh, I watched some YouTube videos and I, uh, I did my own research. I took some, some Invermectin and some other you know veterinary medicines that, that Anthony Fauci doesn't want you to know about. And uh yeah, I'm good.
0: And now you're back? <laughs> good. What'd you I think mean, like
1: fucking everybody at NSA got COVID who I don't know how you ducked it, Grace, you must
0: have <laughs> Dude, I'm sure I've had it. I, I have no idea how I ducked. I mean, I was locked in a production trailer with two other people for two and a half days and shared a house with them and ate every meal with them and they both came down with COVID and somehow I ducked it. But I don't know. I've got some friends who are like, the only way you keep dodging this is you've already had it. You just didn't know it. So anyway, it is what it is. <laughs> but what do you think of the race, Lewis? It was rowdy. It was rowdy, man. Like, um, I, I don't want to say that <clears throat> 2021 was boring. That's not the right word. Uneventful would be the right word for the way it was in 2021. You know, there was very few flips that year. And whatever, but this year, it was action from like the first racer all the way to the end. It was it was definitely burly and action, and I don't know. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time.
2: I mean, to me, the elf yeah. in the room is is Hayden, right?
0: With the still gate touch,
2: still in first place. Well, I mean. Give me the story on that. I'm sure many listeners out there aren't quite attuned to this situation.
0: Okay, so there – how many gates were there this year? Six gates? Five or six gates that are out there? You have to make the gates. Obviously, a touch is a penalty of a few seconds. Missing is 50 seconds. And there appeared to be – Hayden Voorhees had a blistering run. Um. Uh, ended up winning the race, and looking back on the live show, there appeared to be a touch. Did you guys look at look at it on the show? So I looked
1: at it. I mean, so I did not take note of that at the time, and I saw. I mean, you can see the gate move on the live stream, but you can't see him touch the gate. So, like, I don't know. It's. I mean, I feel like there have definitely been people on the box at the North Fork before who've had penalties they got away with. And it's a bummer when that happens, but I couldn't say with any confidence that that happened here. I mean, it might've, but I don't know. Did you, you talk to anybody who's like actually seen him hit the gate or it's just like, you see the gate move on the lines to me. I mean, like to, water touch,
2: water I was touch to to Max happened, here. You know? he, he, they seemed like it was a, it was a definite touch, but I'm not exactly sure why he said that.
1: Well, I wh- what you I mean, can the thing see... is it is like, uh, I was just going to say, I mean, it, You know, I mean, it's just like part of the thing with slalom is it's just like, you know, organizing a slalom race, it's just so much more work. And, like, part of it is the gate judging. And it's like, you know, and I think part of it, too, is, like, you can't... And I think they were showing people's touches between runs this year, which is good, you know? And it's like, I mean, the only thing to do from there is to, like, go to video review, but... Yeah. I don't
0: know. When you look at it, so... There were a couple things. So there was a there's a period of time after the race. Like there's a there's a point when the race is over. It's like you and, and they have a tent where racers can go and they can contest what happened. And so they like in one race, uh, Killian, um, you know, they saw they, they said he missed a gate. Well, they came into the live show trailer. I brought it up, and you could tell that he actually made it through gate two, like the big gate that was right over the mushroom booth. And so that penalty got erased. And so there was a time for anybody to contest what was going on, and no one contested it. And when you look at it, you know, there's a gate judge that's right across the river from that on river right. And the gate is on river left, the, the one where it appears there's a touch. But if you're upstream, you can see the gate rocking. But if you're, like, right there where that gate judge is, it's like going back and forth towards you you know what i'm saying so it's a lot harder you guys can't see what i'm doing but like if you're looking upstream you see the gate going like this but where the gate judge was at you know you can hardly tell there's any movement so i mean i don't know it's just like you say it's super hard super challenging and there's always going to be something dane was super gracious
2: about it that's for sure
0: uh he's such a champ you know what i mean like so i don't know and
2: i mean i don't know i mean like I mean,
1: also, like, I don't want to. I feel like it's shitty to like take that away from Hayden. You know, it's like I don't know if you had that touch or not, but like, he had a fucking sick run, eh? Yeah, he I mean, he like, that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, in Derby, that's racing, you know.
2: Derby, our our, our own Derby, McAdams was second.
1: Yeah, we're Dar- factor sponsored athlete.
0: Yeah, she's our All first right. sponsored <laughs> athlete. I'll get her some stickers out there. Does that mean?
2: Does that mean it's like at least another year till she becomes Mrs. Darby
1: Geltman. Wait, oh, don't put that on her. <laughs> she, has to, she has to be. We've, an we've NXT already been. We've already, already been we've already been through this.
0: We've already been through this. Well, it doesn't go over over well. She's gonna be a hater. <laughs> Look, she's our athlete. We gotta watch out for her. We have to bring her on. Do you think someone could drown in that race? <clears throat> yes. I think someone can drown in any race. I mean, it was. I mean, there were... I mean, but what's the
2: overall... I mean, I mean,
0: yeah, go ahead. Rescue is very challenging. I mean, you know, and they have a ton of safety, but you're going to take a long swim. It's going to be brutal. And just, you know, just being upside down there, that's all I ever think about is and the amount of time that people were upside down in the race this year. It just, it really, I mean... I don't scare easy, but it was kind of scary. You know, trepidation was high. I'll, I'll just say that for sure.
1: But it's gnarly. and like watching practice. I mean, to me, practice is the gnarliest time because there is less safety and it's just like, I feel like almost everybody finds themselves in the course of practicing for that race like having to do some like really high consequence dealing, you know? Just like taking a big surf or being upside down, like somewhere you really don't want to be upside down, or like getting right banked at rodeo hole, or just like whatever it might be. And it's just I don't know, it's scary to watch.
0: It was really. There's no doubt. And I think there's it what a lot of people, if you've been to the North Fork and you've seen Jacob's Ladder, it's one thing to run it, you know, but if you're having to make these moves like into the burliest section of them, it's a totally different thing. You know what I mean? Like you can you can pick your way through there at 2,500 CFS and have some consistency, but when you have to hit all of those different gates, it's definitely, you know, the one in rock drop. And then the one in Taffy Pooler, you know, and it's like, those are hard moves. And you're going right into the beefiest part of the river. So props to all the athletes yeah, I mean, that, who went that out there
1: quake, That quake booth, you know, I mean, there were some big surfs in that hole. Big surfs. And then it's like, you know, you come I mean, out and like right above
2: rock drop. Jen came out of that surf, who we're about to talk to you here in a bit, but you could see she looked beat. I mean, she came into that eddy, that next eddy on the left, and she just... Looked like she was going to trying to catch her breath. You know what I mean? I could feel it, you know? Yeah And then have to do that I mean, surf on top of that. Right. I mean, that's Yeah, pretty gutsy. You know what I mean? Like I'm not sure if I
1: I mean dude, you know. she went to war for that, you know
0: <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was. And she got a clean run out of that didn't she
4: mm-hmm.
0: I Think that was and that was the only clean girls run wasn't it I Think so that's right. Yeah Anyway, props to her, one thing I really like about the North Fork Championship this year is that two no one would have picked, in my opinion, maybe there were people out there who would have picked it, that Jen and Hayden would have won that race. I love that. I want to do a Stikine River stage race. All right, so this is going to be oh the, This is going to be the next <laughs> event that the Hammer Factor puts together, so you just yeah. basically Stop. take away get your,
2: out before you get sued. <laughs>
0: No, this would be sick. So you take your three days of the stakine, and then you have groups of four. You start them in like one-minute intervals, and they have to do the whole, I don't know, it would be about two hours of paddling each day. Oh, God, that sounds awful. Including Sight's Ed. That could be like a bonus points. You know what I mean? A bonus point. Yeah, that could be but like... Whoever runs wins. Well, whoever does it the fastest wins. You know, they get, like, bonus points <laughs> for their teams. Yeah.
2: Why are you to boat across town through Sightseed? That would
0: even make more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite ready for that. We'll have to do it a couple times before we go to that level. But yeah. I'm telling you, it's totally doable. Right level. Can
2: we, can we, before we just sail on past this again for, like, the third show in a row, can we talk about this po- this boater in this area... Who's making weird safety decisions. Geltman's shaking his head. No. I think God.
0: we 100% should.
2: No, no, no.
1: no censorship
0: no. is un-American, Lewis.
1: It's not censorship. It's just a better idea not to talk about it.
2: Really? Why? Yeah. It's What's just... the reason?
1: I, I'll, I'll tell you guys more about it privately, but I don't want to talk about it.
2: Even if the even if this person remains
0: anonymous, yeah. Gosh, all right. <clears throat> this is like the deep state taking over the Hammer Factor here. What I'm telling you, that's right. You
2: uh, we discussed this, go, uh, Grace. You, know, you think it's an it's interesting, right? I mean, I think it's an interesting situation. I think it's, I think it's
0: fully interesting, and I, I mean, I just have.
2: I, I think the problem is is the person who's involved. Not so much what they're doing.
0: Well, I don't know. We'll put go. a poll. Right. We'll put a poll up and send us an email. <laughs> you say yes, talk about it. Put a put a or a no with Lewis's <laughs> name Fox next egg. to it, and then we'll go from there. And we'll let our listeners decide if they want us to talk about it. Because I'm just saying, if
2: like Scott Lindgren was doing this, it would be a whole different story.
0: It would be he'd be like a champion
2: of no expression. He would not. We would be warrior god. We'd be ripping defiant to the
0: end. What's that?
2: No, it's it's just stop. (laughs) Let's
1: move on.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, when we get Brian and Landon on here, they're supposed to get on here a little bit. Can we just break the news to them and like get their opinion, and then maybe I'll edit that part out if it's too obnoxious, and then we'll let the listeners decide. We're going to broach this topic. We may have to have a separate recording for this, Weld.
1: I mean, we've even talked about this in an abstract in the past. It's just not a worthwhile topic.
0: Uh, all right. <sighs> well, I don't know. I feel like I may just say it. I may just uh, – I'm not going to do it because we've got Brian Miller and Landon Miller coming on right now. Right now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, right now. Right now.
1: And so are they going to give us the report from the Rodeo
2: Worlds?
0: Rodeo Worlds. And then we're going to get back into NFC with crimes. Um, hold on. Hold on. Everybody
2: calm down. I have to do a PSA at some point also about uh, PFAS. Hmm. Yeah, something's going to affect all of us in the sport here. Particularly, but it's going to affect everyone on the planet but it's a real thing
1: this will be interesting I'm keen did you guys watch any of freestyle worlds
0: I didn't did you it's not my thing a little bit did tell, you really tell us about I it I did
1: well it was Darby was fired up on it so
2: was it all composite boats is that okay. all they paddle now in freestyle it's composite boats
1: it was not Dana. Hey guys, we'll, we'll be with Here. you guys in
2: about a half hour. If you guys just want to hang tight, we're going to talk about the rodeo worlds for a bit. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, so what do you do? do they loop. What's the thing? What do they? You you loop, right? wheels. Are you after <laughs> <up to>
0: me? <laughs> <Blue wheels. laughs> can you guys hear us, Brian, Landy Can you hear us? Say something. I can't hear you. Hey, fellas! How's it going? All right. Welcome to the show, Brian Miller, previous World Champion C1er, and new C1 World Champion, Landon Miller. Looking, looking good, boys. Yeah. Are you back in the states? Thanks for having us. to be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, where do we begin? what, what Well, first how do we how do we introduce these guys so brian what year did you win the c1 world championship
5: 1972 i think it was Yeah, 68 in osberg Uh, i was in the world championships in sort spain in 2000 i won open canoe and open canoe went uh right right before c1 like literally like back to back so paddling a canoe with uh You know 80 gallons of water it weighed about 800 pounds completely exhausted and then they're like they had a keg up there on the stage i grabbed me a cold beer and hopped into c1 and threw down a real nice ride yeah so that was in sort spain a long time ago (laughs) and interestingly enough landon was there four years ago and he was 15 uh and he got sixth place in sort so that was pretty cool to see him rally up and and sort so yeah
0: okay All right. Now, Landon, before we get into your run, I want to go through or your kind of path through the through the event. Brian, you competed this year. How did it go for you?
5: Yeah, so I I competed in the open canoe class. I was able to make the U.S. team. Um, I didn't go to team trials. I submitted a video ride and I was lucky enough to make the team. Uh, And so my ride at Worlds was pretty good. I didn't have a lot of training, but to answer John Boyle's question, yes, you can loop a canoe.
2: (laughs) I thought you just like juggled into paddle twirls or something, and that was pretty much all you needed to do to win. No, that's
5: sport (laughs) boating, bro. That's what they do in
2: sport boating, (laughs) Like a donut. (laughs) Uh,
5: So uh, there were, uh, there was a, I mean, this is telling, John's gonna make fun, but there was a whopping 11 international competitors in the open canoe class at world championships.
2: They're all from Canada.
5: They're all from, that's <laughs> good. Uh, let's see, the boat of choice was the Blackfly Delta, <laughs> this is the boat, to paddle.
2: I think it's all the long. only one, right?
5: That's the one that won. Yeah, that is the only one. Uh, let's see. Um, Just keep it coming. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's very interesting. Uh, four years ago in sort, the winning ride was 173 points. Fifth place got 50. Uh, Landon was throwing rides of 400 points in the open canoe, which, which was quite 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 remarkable. So let's see here. I, I came in, uh, I, I finished my round third, which was pretty cool out of five. Uh, I went second at the World Championship, so that was kind of nerve-wracking. I thought I was going to go last and have the advantage of seeing what others did and just one-up them. But I went second, I had Jordan Poffenberger in my heat, I had Landon, a couple Frenchies. Uh so let's see, I made the they go from eleven to ten. So I went into the next round in fifth. And then uh and then interestingly <laughs> enough, um in the second round, uh I I flubbed my rides and I didn't do that great. And uh I ended up <laughs> sixth, which is a bummer. And in the same day that Landon threw down this four hundred point ride. He, first to ten. He, he go uh, ahead. First to tenth. He went from first place to tenth with a score of double deuce zeros. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was uh it was heartbreaking, fellas. I was I was upset. I was really upset. Wait, and wait. Landon was upset.
0: So both of the Millers were knocked out of the O C one comp in one round.
5: Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: But then Jordan tested positive for COVID, so he got to go in the finals. So I was pretty lucky.
5: Yeah. So I was uh I was at home uh, in the suite in the flat in Nottingham. I was actually like three beers in, eating cookies, just like trying to get myself together for my boy to go do C one, like understanding like why Kike Jesus shit on us and decided it was for a reason. And I woke up from a nap and Landon's like, yo, man, Jordan tested positive. It's your time. You want to go, and I'm like, yeah, let's roll, man, let's roll.
2: So <laughs> he's like, let me finish this beer and some cookies, and I'll, I'll be out in a sec. <laughs> wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. Okay.
2: Finish
5: sleeping Oreos first.
2: I'll be right out there.
0: <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. I, I so like... Jordan tested positive. He's out, and they're like, Brian, you're in. And so, okay, yeah. all, right, all and, right, go ahead.
5: And Jordan is the reigning world champion. And so we were obviously like heartbroken for Jordan because you know we need we need an American to win canoe so that it frees up another spot for an old turd like me to make the team. And if, if U S doesn't get a buy, which we're not going to get a buy now, my canoe freestyle days are over. That's why I left my canoe in England. Like I'm done with that shit. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I, 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 My wife was excited. I was excited. I'm thinking, you know, you didn't really do that great, uh, without beer. So just go ahead and drink another one and lean into it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Freestyle athletes have coaches and nutritionists and open canoe, 48 year old athletes. We just drink cold beers because that's what we do. So so yeah, I I rallied up. I got my kid on Uh, Nick graced me with this awesome live like Maria sticker. Uh, I was fifth. So I went first and all I had to do was land a loop and do my ride. And man, like first ride didn't go so great. It was like a 70, and the next two rides, I was, like, right on the bubble of landing this loop, like, oh. Uh, and I just fell off. I was like, oh, man. So, but Landon was there cheering me on. And Tao was cheering me on. Corey Sheehan was cheering me on. And so, uh, I ended up getting uh, I, I ended up getting four. I
3: almost got a medal.
5: I almost got a medal. I was, like, 20 points out. I mean, basically, like, y'all, like, I wasn't looping the canoe that great. So, I was, like, doing old school full slice rides, like, Fucking throwing cartwheels there, throwing cartwheels there. was so, like trying to blunt the canoe, clean through the canoe, switch wheel. And, you know, what's messed up about packing, uh, what's messed up about freestyle is like the subjective. So you think the boat's like dead vertical and you're crushing it and you get out and your ride's like 40 points. like, what the hell, man? What do y'all watch I kind of know what happened. Well, Landon had, had been in the doghouse with the organizers and the officials and they took out all their anger uh, against him on me and they scored my ride low but uh
0: that makes sense so
5: my my canoe, my canoe epic ride was uh uh i beat mateo because he finished fifth in junior and i beat landon because he finished 10th and i at least advanced my spot by one but I, I i've retired i've hung my hat up boys i'm done green races tomorrow like let the young bucks go so i had to decide who i was going to sell my canoe to I sort of did a bad deal with one guy and sold it to this 18-year-old kid because I was like – I told the guys like, man, I screwed up. I'm sorry. But I really want to watch this 18-year-old for the next – I mean, I'm 48. For the next 30 years get really good. And so I'm pleased with who I sold the canoe to. But uh, a German kid won it. He was third last year. I mean, you know, I'm a biased dad. My kid, <laughs> like, 400 points. The winning ride for gold was, like, 230. So – the German kid should like say, thank you for just giving him the medal. Uh, no, <laughs> so, uh, you know, Landon's like real particular about his outfitting. So his thigh straps, he tied in knots and the knot slipped and the buckles he kept breaking were plastic. And I was like, use the airplane buckles, use the airplane. Nah, man, I don't need it. I don't need it. So what happened with him was he had an epic equipment failure. His shit blew out everywhere. <laughs> and that's how you get to zero and a zero. And so, you know, father son moment, I wasn't happy and I wasn't the best version of myself. I've been to counseling a lot for these issues, but I was triggered. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like riding in the inlet gate and this Carmen Mobius throwing down, like looking at him and his buddies, like fucking airplane buckles fucking buckle and we're all dads here you know so like we're in the business of giving our kids bad advice right like i'm going to give you advice because it's going to set you back and uh but you know what truth be told uh i just leaned into the beer drinking and drank a couple more beers and landon brought me a beer christine jackson gave me a mm, hmm gave me a gave me a tough talking to Real Mm. to. (laughs) real tough talking to what'd you say shit happens. You don't have to be the baby in the group, be the adult. (laughs) And you know, that, that's, that's sage advice from someone like Christine that deals with a lot with Dane and Emily and her family. So I think in the end, my takeaway from our canoe uh, world championship good was that in athletics, you have adversity in life you have adversity and you got to deal with it. You got to like realize things happen for a reason. And you learn from it very quickly, and you move on. And uh, we had to like pull together as a father and son team, as a family with my wife, and really like get Landon buckled down for what we came for. And what we came for uh, was C one. But hey, it was hard to win a canoe and a C one world championship yeah. in one bid, man. That's hard as heck. So. <laughs>
0: All right, Landon, step up here so what? we can hear you. Um,
5: why? God why? Damn. Why are you so damn happy?
2: God damn. <laughs> yeah, you look <like> the happiest <laughs> looking dude. I'm look looking at this. Look at—he's got his gold. He's got
0: his gold medal around his neck, dude. He's smiling ear to ear. All right, so tell me about—tell me about your series of rounds, Landon. Were you like a favorite? Were you winning heats? Like, how did it all go?
3: You know, so I was there two weeks before the comp. Almost every day before then, I was getting yelled at. So I was kind of on everyone's bad list, but. So. I just kind of, I kind of went along with it, laughed about it, and, like, you know, just made friends with people. What so, were you doing to
2: get on people's bad list, exactly? I,
3: well, there's a bridge above Inlet, and, like, Teo and a couple of the Spain kids, we were, like, flipping off of it. And one day, we, like, one guy he didn't like it, so he came and cussed us out. And we were just running around and not doing, like, I don't
5: know. Snappy video, though. They were throwing, like, double backflips with no life jackets in Inlet. It was sick, man. <laughs> it, was, it did not like it. So, you know? I'm trying
2: to imagine living living with these two. You... <laughs> Dude, I went on a Grand Canyon. I went on a Grand Canyon trip with these guys in January. It was freaking brilliant. Anyway. Your uh, wife must have like, <laughs> like just like.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, go on, Landy, Go on. But just, they didn't.
3: They didn't really like the fact that we were like doing. We were like pushing the limits, you know. But pretty I can't much imagine, it came to the time anyway. where it was like time to compete. And like, we just like, you know, had to get in the mindset to go and knew it didn't go that well. So I knew I had C1 still on the table. So I knew I had to do well in that, to like prove myself and like going into finals, I was second. So I wasn't first, which I wanted to be in so I could go last, but I was okay because it put the pressure on that, the guy who came in first. And I was like, that was really important to me. But it was like put pressure on people, getting people's head. So like, <laughs> it, like not get my head. I was all happy because I'd made finals. I didn't make finals in sort. All these other guys are, like, trying to, like, do it. It's their local spot. So, it was, like,
5: it was good. I didn't have a lot of pressure. It was more fun. That's why I was smiling so much. That's why I'm still smiling. We had a lot of British athletes, and the British canoeing was really behind their athletes. And the reason Landon was getting in trouble is because he was the envelope as far as practice.
2: You guys are, like, couldn't be more different than your typical British (laughs) athlete group.
3: I trying so trying like, just look at the complete to be opposite. Before the hole opened, like, <laughs> they're getting yelled at at eight thirty. Really like get off the water. We just keep paddling, keep practicing.
5: So like Landon was laying down like solid nine hundred and fifty point rides, time and time again. Uh, and the Brit guy laid down an epic like ten hundred and fifty point ride, ten fourteen. He put on Facebook this, and Landon had a lot of respect for this cat. Uh, but we knew that if that was the ride of his life, that he you know, uh, we do a lot of analytics, man, we quantify these rides, like, you know, is this the mean, or is this guy an outlier, and we kind of decided that that was an outlier ride, it wouldn't be replicated again, and so Lennon has some great coaches, and you could talk a little bit about who was helping you out. Yeah, I had
3: Mason Hargrove, and he was, like, he was good, because he won Junior Worlds, so he kind of has the mental mindset of, like, how to, like, what tricks to do, to do at that certain time, to, like, lay it out. I also had Clay Wright, he was helping me get my rides together, so it was good, like, but when I was there, I never really re- laid my best ride down. Like, I had more in the tank. That's why I was kind of like – I was more like pissed off in my head because on my third ride I wanted to break a 1,000, but it was in me really like 9.16. But, you know, I was in first. I couldn't really complain. So I didn't break the 1,000-point barrier. It's still there. It's still there for me.
0: So you're, what was the score on your winning ride?
3: Uh, it was a 9.93, but in prelims I hit
0: 9.96. So what were the Brits' reaction after you won it?
3: Uh, I think they were pretty pissed. (laughs) They were were not happy at all.
5: Yeah, and you got to remember, like, in the the finals, you had the Brit with a 1,000-point ride. You had Tom Dole from France. He's the reigning C1 world champion uh, from sort. He was third in kayak. You had Dane Jackson that uh, was the reigning kayak world champion. So it wasn't like we had – and then you had a guy with a 1,000-point ride. So it wasn't like you had some slouches. The the competition was stacked and for example, like if you don't do an entry move, you're not going to be competitive. Uh, the junior kayakers, you know, I'm sure John Wells been doing this forever. They're doing like entry wing over McNasty's hmm. like it's one thing to do a wing over a wing over into McNasty. So Yeah, Landon had to really get it together to throw down a good ride. And we had a little adversity in that round, too. Why don't you tell them what happened? Yeah,
3: so I did my first ride, laid down at 980. All the guys were freaking out in their heads because the next highest score was like an 830. And then I, like, walked up, put my boat down, walked to the side of the river to watch, and my strap was undone when I came back. Yeah, Mm. it was undone. And I was like, (laughs) it could have just fallen out, but I knew if it had fallen out, it would have fallen out while I was walking up. So like, you you don't really know. Are you saying someone messed with your game? It was or?
0: sabotage. Some it was sabotage. <laughs> it, it was, was Christine Jackson.
5: He also stole my gear.
0: I think it was the Brits. I think oh, it was like, the Brits.
5: I, I was told to be like, uh, this could be vanilla. Like I was just told to sit on the grass and not cheer. Yeah. So I was like uh, drinking some beer, taking a little couple of shots of tequila. And Lane is walking up after a second ride, and he's like, "Let's go!" And we have a repair kit, right? Standby. And Teo grabs the screwdriver, and we're up there like fiddling with the Landon has a snowboard bindings that he ratchets himself in and <laughs> filling with the screwdriver. And as a dad, like looking back, I'm like that second ride was angry and he stomped it down. And I, I kind of figured out that the setback of the equipment again after Canoe, Lando got this massive bolus of like adrenaline and anger. And when you look at that ride, you can tell that it's another level of where he was at. And so uh, he used that, John Grace is laughing. He used that to his advantage. I mean, what, the old chip on your shoulder, but but it worked, right? Yeah, like I scored my whole ride. I only,
3: it only took me 35 seconds and then I flew up the last 10 seconds. I could have breaking the thousand point, but I I went for it all and I did, I should have just stuck with like a normal trick to break it.
2: How, do, how does the C1 scores uh, size up against the kayak scores?
3: Uh, so dane's final kayak score was a 1640 1660.
2: what and i mean what's what do they what do they have that you guys don't in the toolkit for those kind of points
3: oh uh, they can do they do phonics can, they can do a phonics each side they can space both sides
2: can you guys so, do something that they can't in a c1 i mean obviously uh, there's obviously a lot of leverage on one I was side always
3: going for the, i was always going for the jedi flip which is like it's a c1 based trick invented by jordan poppenberger and no one does it so when i did it in prelims i landed it and they only They'd never seen it done at comp. Like, no one had ever scored it. So they, like, they they gave me way lower. They gave me two out of three judges scored it and should have been all three. So it was kind of like, I don't know. I also do an offside lunar. And it's like I take the bow and I get all this massive pop. And the Kayakers can't really do that because they don't – I don't know, they haven't really – It's called the porpoise. Porpoise. And EJ invented
5: it is. 20 years ago. And you dive the boat under the green water. And then on the stern and then the bow like just breaks the water like a porpoise out and it does a full stern screw up. But John, to answer your question, uh, the kayaking guys are like linking trick after trick. So you do like a space Godzilla right into a loop, right? You do a lunar orbit right into a loop or you do this entry wing over into McNasty. Instead of getting, you know, 150 points, you're getting like 280 points without even using any time on the clock. And so this whole Freestyle kayaking is 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 progressing. Don't hit links on every pass. and you need in forty five seconds in pro kayak, you need about mm, fourteen or fifteen tricks in about in about forty five seconds. And so that's that's where it's going. Are these link tricks back now? You know world championships coming up are in Columbus, it's going to be a wave. And the tricks are going to be a bit different and the scores are probably going to be a bit lower. It's going to be a totally different discipline. But for whole boating, uh, you know, the 2000 point barriers never been broken. That's where we're going for right now. I don't know if it will be broken. We thought Dane might get it. But man, to see some of these British guys uh, throwing down uh, Robert Crow, Harry Price, a guy from Ireland. Yeah. What did, what did you yeah, say? they choked. They choked, though. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting. Like, going in the finals, the person in the first spot goes last, right? So you get to see what everyone else does, and then you one-up them. But the boys are cracking under that pressure, and it seemed like going second to last was the, <clears throat> the, was the catbird seat, where you're just kind of loose. You're just laying your eye down. The Englishmen have, like, all this pressure of their country – and it just—they're just cracking a bit. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see placement really matters. Uh, and then you know, I think it's also important to note, like this, this guy, Audie Shaw Robinson from England, uh, amazing female athlete, crushed it. Won three gold medals: won gold in squirt, gold in C1, gold in women's one, and gave England three medals. But shout out, America—we won the overall with four medals. So we, you know, on British soil. Where they've been pr- training and practicing, you got to think. Dane had COVID, man. Dane, Dane got like no practice time, man, none. And uh, and we went, we wound up with four gold medals. So uh, Clay Wright won, in Clay Fashion on his last ride and squirt mystery move, flatwater cartwheels, finishing in this epic bow stall, like just selling it. It's killer, man. It's just like, it's just it's glory. It's glory. <laughs> You could do this, job well. This is right in your wheelhouse. Have you guys oh,
2: thought about going to kayak? I mean, what's I, that don't mean? Wanna, I don't want to rock your world, but you, have you guys tried kayaks before? Oh, Landon's sick I in kayak.
5: I did junior men's, but, like, you know. Yeah, Landon did junior kayak. He's pretty good. I got, uh, you know, like, I got 17 but <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's okay. My goal is top 20 because I don't, I, don't, I don't really spend too much time on it. But,
5: like, a kayak has got land. You have new leverage. Just like everybody kayaks. Why do you want to do that, man? Why do you want to be like everybody else, John? You should try c one Come with us. We'll train you.
2: I used to paddle oh. C1 like back. I had a Batmax. I'll date um, myself.
5: Landon doesn't even know what that is. I right, <laughs> <slalom, one. old, laughs> Yeah, so we had Clayro. I, I had one.
2: I had one because those are the only boats you could squirt back then. They didn't make kayaks. that could really stern squirt. And I remember watching uh, Jed Predis do like a huge stern squirt and solid workout. I was like, I want to start paddling C1. Yeah.
5: Well, well, like all these freestyle moves all came from, from squirt. So like a lunar orbit is a stern screw up. Uh, a phonics monkey is a bow screw up into a front flip. So it's all, all the origins go back to the Max days, the awesome, you know, Snyder days. Uh, but yeah, so uh, just real quick. But yeah, like, so uh, Clay one uh, junior kayak or Clay one score float. Abby Holcomb one junior kayak. Landon one C1. And then Dane won, K won. So those are the four medals that gave us the gold. And uh, we had an amazing team manager, Andy Jones. She dates Clay. She like kept us together. God, oh, man, Landon Nateo just had
3: it. Oh, Landon had her
5: hands so full. Like, <laughs> today, it's like, Landon, please just one day. I don't want someone to walk up to me and say, what the hell is he doing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man well congratulations landon so i i did notice the little bit i got to watch that it used to be you would do a trick go to the corner get up on the phone pile initiate the next trick those days are gone it's like trick you yeah. got to have your momentum dropping right in that was yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty cool I, I i don't really know all the tricks but i definitely could see that it was pretty rad to watch do you, really like... you guys get sick from the water at
3: all go ahead john
0: do you guys get sick from the water at all
3: I did. Oh, dude! I got I got terribly sick one day.
2: Yeah,
3: like, I practiced one day in OC one and just took a big old gulp and just yeah. I was sick for the whole next day. It was terrible. What
2: yeah, I remember Terry used to race over there, and
3: uh, I was just throwing up all day. I had the shits too. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> but, uh, the protocol is there: you wash all your gear, uh, you drink a coke or you take a shot of whiskey. Uh, you don't eat anything. You don't want any of that. It's called Trent belly. You don't want any of that on your on on your stomach but the place we paddle that is called home pair point and it's one of the most amazing uh water facilities i've ever seen they do rowing sculling whitewater kayaking slalom they have this massive compound i don't know it's by 100 acres and the course the course is pretty awesome i mean it's got some the inlet gate is world class so it's pretty sick it was like
3: there's some days where you just like don't want to practice at all and you just, like, you end up just wanting to, like, go out <laughs> and get a little other features. They also did a cool event called the Young Guns, where it's kind of, like, bringing kids of, like, like you know, like, 11, 12. It was, like, helping them learn. And I don't know. That was pretty cool to see. Oh, like they babies. also did
5: something cool. They did Synchro. Oh, yeah. Synchro. Synchro was cool. I would say
3: was my Wait, wait,
0: What's Synchro?
5: It's, uh, so
3: you go to Inlet, and you drive, there's two people. You got you and your partner and my partner was teo so we'd like do like clean loops clean mcgasties lunars and then we switch paddles on the back loop so it was pretty sick and then we went, <laughs> we went to the jedi in the last second so that was even better
5: yeah, they got they got they got third in synchro, synchro. <laughs> It was pretty
0: cool man damn well landon you're a junior green race champion junior world ch- no senior world champion yeah freaking are you done with high school or you got another year of high school
3: I'm done. I've you're, been done. You're done. You need to come work for us.
0: How many uh, whatever you have going on
3: there? I gotta tap into this somehow. <laughs> How many years were oh, yeah, you on yeah. the football team?
0: How many years you play football? Uh
3: three from sophomore
0: to senior. Three sophomore to senior. You got a lot going on, man. And well,
5: we're gonna keep the paddling cat tradition alive. He's gonna go to Western where legends like Woody paddled and and uh eric young jason hale dave pop barry kennan chris manderson we have a massive legacy of paddling catamounts at western carolina so i hope he remembers how to study because you know it's hard to monetize kayaking <laughs> um <laughs> i hope so you gotta get smart man <laughs> uh,
4: yeah.
0: brilliant boys brilliant how was announcing out there Brian, were you, were you on the mic yeah. some?
5: Yeah, yeah, man. Announcing was pretty <laughs> fun. I enjoyed it. I, I called a couple early rounds, uh, and uh, ICF judges apparently like meet in the evenings. They have a debriefing and they put it to a vote, and they voted for me to call finals. So I was uh, I was given late notice. I was actually in Nottingham uh lingerie shopping with my wife at a little boutique (laughs) place and they said hey man the icf wants you and i'm like mom busy man and they were like no they really want you so uh nick troutman and i announced together men's final it's it's cool man there's like it's like half wwe half ufc fight club a thousand fans on the beach and you're like you know let's get it up for the brits and the brit fans go crazy You know, I love the Irish fans. The bagpipes were railing out there. They had a drum, and then you know, like, like full credit to Dane, man. Like he's in the fight of his life. You know, everybody's gunning for him, and he's just like stoking up the competitors. He's going against. He's stoking up the crowd. Landon was standing next to him. What was what was Dane's vibe like, Landon? He
3: was like,
5: he was trying to be hype,
3: but you could tell inside he was (laughs) very (laughs) nervous. Everyone could lay down the ride we threw down, but like no one did it. No one did it. He's the only one who did it. So that's you know someone did it in uh, semifinals. Someone laid down like a sixteen eighty,
5: Robert Crow, but then he didn't do it in finals. Wasn't he?
3: he choked. Is what you're
5: saying? Yeah, man, he yeah. choked. He choked. He should have done better. But you know, Dane, 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 Dane's ride was he didn't miss a trick. Think about it. every pass he was throwing links like that. He might have surfed that surfer's right side once. But, I mean, he he basically, like, did the math, saw what the rides were, and he did exactly what those zoos were doing, and then just yes. a little bit more. And it was, man, it was intense. I mean, it was just the Brits were pulling so hard for the people, and Dane was such an underdog having COVID, and he really showed, like, why he's one of the greatest of all time, because just to put it together in that magical spotlight in front of all those people, man, there's just not a lot of athletes that can do that. And think, man, those British guys have been training there for 10 years i'd be like where are you from oh i've been here 10 years 15 years like it just it's un, it's unfathomable what what dane was able to accomplish but you know landon didn't get him didn't get him at c1 so maybe not Dane not having a lot of practice time <laughs> Dane didn't have a lot of practice time at c1 it probably helped us out but you know in the mornings we would get up and it would be like you know ej dane emily nick landon and i all on the water hanging out at like 8 a.m so you know those of us that paddle like you guys that's what we do man and like after canoe we just we just went paddling and before C1 we just went paddling and you know we shred together and we stay together and that's what that's the bond that brings us all as one whether you're winning or not and another you know, thing is you know there's so many people that lose uh, but in the end everyone every athlete there represented their country right they, they were selected to represent their country their families were there their friends were there so the vibe the vibe was like really stoked and everyone was like really, really kind and gracious. And there was just, there was so much love. There was so much love there. It was really special to be a part of.
0: Hell yeah, boys. Well, congratulations, Landon. You got to, you got some stuff to Thank work you. on Brian for next year. And, yeah, man. Yes. Yeah.
5: Green races tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <that laughs> is t- time to start thinking about that shit.
0: All right. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, you got anything else for the Millers here? We're probably going to, Going down the show. Can I shout out
3: some sponsors? Yeah, come on. <laughs>
0: shout them out. Shout them out. Come on.
3: Shout out Narcissus, Sunglasses. Shout out Hi-Chew, Warner Paddles, and Jackson. And Level 6. Bo-I-R <laughs>
5: well, shout out. get that in there, too. Uh, That's all right. He's <laughs> 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 a businessman, boys. He's a businessman. You got to chase the money. You got to chase the money. Thank, you all. Thank you uh, y'all. Thank y'all. I give you guys, guys a time. Awesome. You guys are
2: awesome, man. You guys are incredible. Cheers, boys. Congrats.
0: Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Bam, moving. A Thank you, Heather, <laughs> Peace out. See you, Millers.
5: <laughs> you guys.
0: And look at that, moving right in, right on cue. We have Northfork champion Jennifer Crimes on the show. Can you hear us, Jen? Hi. All
6: I right. can. Can you
0: hear me? I can't hear yeah. you. Awesome. Well, we just had uh, some of the American boys who are out at the freestyle event out in Britain on, and that was kind of a mess. What would you guys think of that? I, I, don't, good, I don't know what to energy, make of that. energy, man. That was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so, Jennifer, I don't think I've ever paddled with you or met you, and I don't think I even knew your name. Am I saying it right, Crimes?
6: Yeah, your that's last great.
0: name. Okay, until the North Fork Championship, and you just kind of blew it out of the water there, uh, so to speak. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where are you at now? Kind of tell us, introduce yourself to our listeners and to me.
6: Uh, yeah, so I'm from the UK. Uh, I grew up in Nottingham, uh, kayaking on the White Water course there. I started my kayaking career in freestyle um and i've kind of been through the motions i've done some sprint and marathon i did some high kneeling sprint for a while and then eventually made it into whitewater uh when i was mid-20s and haven't really looked back since uh and now i'm in squamish working away trying to get my pr here um i love it up here and i want to stay so yeah
0: were this venue where they just had the freestyle championship you've spent a bunch of time there i imagine
6: Yep, that's my hometown. Uh, That's where I grew up.
0: Did you ever get sick paddling there?
6: (laughs) Yeah, you get really sick once or twice, then you're kind of immune forever. It kind of sets you up well for going to, like, South America and stuff. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that was was something that we just figured out with the boys. So is this your first time ever competing at the NFC?
6: No, um, I think... Someone told me it was my fifth time. I've lost count, so yeah, I think it's I've been there four or five times now. And so,
1: and you raced, and you were on the box the high water year.
6: Yeah, the first or one year, of the high water uh, years. an actual female category. I think I finished third that year. What was the level? And you start
0: telling whitewater. In... Sorry, What's that? sorry, John. What was the level that year? your first year Jim. uh
6: i think yeah, i don't i think it was about three thousand three grand okay so fairly similar to what it was this year i guess
2: so you start you started paddling whitewater in your 20s you said right i mean in terms of i mean distinguishing from freestyle like you started paddling freestyle earlier mm-hmm. and then started paddling whitewater in your 20s and now you you won the north fork i mean that's an amazing accomplishment i'd say most people who are winning that certainly competing in that race since they were little kids you know
6: yeah, I mean, I I learnt to roll a kayak when I was seven, and, um, yeah, my brother's been a freestyle paddler since I can remember, and I just I've been around whitewater for a really long time, so I'm really comfortable on whitewater.
2: Yeah, no joke. <laughs> I mean, so is that that course? I mean, it, I, I didn't, it's I mean, it's it, I look at it, I think it's terrifying, right? I mean. When you go to a race something like that, I, I, the, the days leading up to it. I mean, what's it? What's it like to prepare for that kind of race and, and actually sit down and, and get ready to go to go through Jacobs on race day?
6: Yeah, I guess it's 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 a tough race. Um, so I wasn't voted in and I didn't qualify last year. So uh, for me, the main race was just qualifying. Um, so I kind of poured a lot of my energy into focusing on that part and. I didn't even know I'd be racing Jake's until two days before the, the actual race. Um, so, yeah, I guess like most of my energy went into focusing on the qualies and then kind of two days before the race, I was like, oh, okay, I've got to do this now. And Yeah. Just it's a mixed,
2: mixed blessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
6: Um, so actually I practiced not that much on Jake's. You know, I just had the Friday to practice. Um, and, yeah, I could I could do some more practice. But, you know, the week – we got there before before the race. It was super high, and there wasn't many people <laughs> rallying laps down Jake's because it was at, like, five grand. Um, right. So, yeah, we were just focusing on S-Bend and trying to get that dialed in.
2: So the move of the race was you doing that loop in that hole,
4: <laughs>
2: right? Yeah, can we talk and, about uh, the watched, loop around the world here? Yeah. <laughs> if, if you've watched the video commentary about a second before you do it, the, the announcers are talking about your experience in freestyle and how it's going to come into play. I think one of the guys, as soon as you drop it, one of the guys says, oh, this isn't going to be pretty. <laughs> were you yeah. at that moment Were you when you boat both started to point upstream, were you like, I'm going to loop this thing or did it just kind of happen?
6: Uh, well, in my head, I was kind of thinking, like, if I can if I can get my boat pointing upstream, then I've got this little trick where sometimes I just dip the nose in. And then if you lean backwards, you can kind of right. you can get your boat away from the main pit. Yeah. um so i tried to almost do a pop out well my in my head i was going for the pop out but that hole's was like pretty quick and before <laughs> i knew it i was <laughs> i was trying to loop <laughs> yeah more than the pop out
0: it was so badass yeah. that was definitely one of the highlights of the live show for sure yeah. so
1: like like what was your vibe on that run because like i know that was not that was not the run you had in your head right but like you like i mean you Went to war, right, and like just like stuck with it and like got it done, you know. <laughs> like, like, how are you? Like, how are you feeling about that? Like, when that?
6: Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's not, that's not a run I wanted to win on. I don't, you know, I, I, I think I got pretty lucky that everybody else was having a super hard time that day as well, um because that wasn't a, a winning run, and no one surfs every single hole in Jakes and. And when you know. I think
2: I just, yeah, I but the so difference is served every single hole and made all the gates. Right. <laughs> and there's something said for that because you after that, after that loop, you went into the eddy on the left. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, from, from my perspective, it looked like you were really, you, I mean, obviously you're, you're tired. You know, I can see it coming into the upstream. But you kind of shake it off and you go into that ferry, you know what I mean? And I
1: mean not like kind of, right? Like I mean Yeah, you went it for it. It might have been like a half a stroke of like rest in yeah. there, but like if it were you or me, well, we would have been like in fetal position on the shore I would right now. Yeah. <laughs> <Like, it laughs> that's
6: like... it. <laughs> Can we just yeah, Can we... I don't know, I I've got big into this thing called breathing in the last couple of years and when I was in rock drop I just tried to take as many deep breaths as I could before hitting the next feature. And and, yeah, I just wanted to get to the bottom of the race course <laughs> and make it down. So,
0: yeah. Back up a little bit because – and just kind of go through both your runs for us here because I'm sure some people haven't seen them. We're talking about the live show and, like, you know, we've, we've seen it. So, I mean, you kick the whole race off. Like, the race starts with you. So let's just kind of back up to that moment. Like, are you fired up or you're like, I can't believe I'm doing this? Or is it like, just let me at it? Talk us through it.
6: Um, so many mixed emotions. Um, I'm scared. I I feel like a lot of pressure kicking the whole competition off. Um, yeah, kind of. I don't know. It was a weird situation to be in. I won the qualifications, but still ended up going first off the ramp. Yeah. How did that? So, ha- how did that happen? Um, I think it was because the other girl that qualified decided not to race. So. And then they somehow, like, I thought, I don't know why. I think, I thought qualifications would be seeding for the final. But apparently if you're voted in or if you get pre-selected, then that automatically ranks you higher. Okay. So,
0: yeah. So you're launching. But, yeah. And
2: then one thing, I a question I have in regards to that is, in terms of the equipment, you know just do you like I've always felt like for a lot of the women paddlers the the boat weight uh, compared to body weight has to come into play I mean I'm watching you know you launch off the Quaker booth you know and thinking if your boat weighed ten pounds less you, you know that would make all the difference in the world there in terms of completing that course I mean do you think that's
6: a thing i mean uh yes and no i think I think it is for some females, but personally like i'm um, I'm kind of I'm pretty tall and I'm not exceptionally light and I paddle quite a small boat like I paddle the Letman Granite and I think that's that's the equivalent of this the stout in terms of volume so it's on right. a smaller scale um, yeah. and I think it fits me pretty well and yeah I like go to the gym and stuff to make sure I can throw that thing around so I don't think it makes a huge difference to me.
2: Yeah, because I, I watch like Noria paddle, you know, and I watch her paddling these boats for 60 pounds, you know, or whatever, and I'm thinking there has to be some, some. I mean, there, there has to be disadvantage to that at some capacity, you know.
6: Yeah, uh, for sure. I find on a river, um, like girls compared to guys, I guess I'm always preempting my moves a lot more than the guys are, I guess. They've got a lot more muscle to get out of things and... Mm-hmm. I'm trying to like read what's coming up and trying to predict a bit more well yeah.
1: it's funny, I feel like at the North Fork too you almost see the opposite of what you' were saying there, John, where like I feel like you know, like some of the past years where like that move at rodeo hole was you know they'd really send you like right through the meat of that thing, and you'd see people who were just like if that if that person just had like weighed forty more pounds they would have made it through that hole, you know, like whoever it was. And then you can see some of the like biggest dudes who were like built like linebackers, you know, take a line that, you know, somebody who weighed, you know, 50 pounds less, like it just wouldn't have worked. Yeah. So it's like, I definitely think it's kind of double edged sword, you know?
2: But I watched like a whole bunch of really great women paddlers really have a hard time with that course. And, and I'm wondering, is it, is there equipment? I mean, should there be a, a different race course for women that doesn't I mean that doesn't seem right either I don't know what's what's is there something to fix here or not
0: I don't think so I mean well no?
6: we, we can ask Jen that question <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think we needed a, diff- a different race course for sure the race course was hard mm-hmm. and it helps to be strong but I don't necessarily think we need one I know that I can paddle that course better than I did right Um. Yeah. For me, I just need to deal with my competition head more than my paddling ability.
5: Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure.
1: It's also like, I kind of think it's, you know, part of it too, is like the field is so big in the men's class that like, you know, there's 80 possible runs or 60 possible runs for somebody to really race it. And like in the women's class, there's six women's, there's like 12 possible runs for somebody to really like lace it. And like Mm -hmm. there are dudes, you know, who are, Really, really sick paddlers who didn't make the gates on either run for sure. You know, it's right. just like it's just that hard.
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: it was Thanks. hard.
0: That it was hurts. hard. I mean, the rapids hard, but the gates were the gates were hard. They were in tough locations. I mean, that, the ferry there at Rock Drop was no joke, for sure. So, Jim, what's your uh, stomping grounds there
6: in Squamish? Where do you normally paddle, and what's it like up there? Um, yeah, it's a really cool area. There's a bunch of really sweet rivers up here. Um, right in Squamish, we've got the Ashloo and Fair Canyon. Um, and then if you go up to Whistler, we've got the Checkmas and the Callahan, which run pretty consistently through the summer. Um, so, yeah, I spend most of my time ripping laps on them. and Yeah, it's good.
1: What do you do for it's, a living there? Callahan still Richter?
6: Uh, Callahan's a good level right now. And we've got the Callahan Race coming up this weekend. Should be a good time.
1: Are you Who are you going? racing with?
6: Yeah, I I will be racing. Um, I think my partner this year is going to be Brian Berger. So.
1: Damn. Let's,
6: we'll see how that goes. <laughs> are you going
0: up for that one, Liz? I always
1: feel like the team's rate. I I was going to go this last weekend, but then it got postponed a week. So I think I'm out this year, sadly. But the Callion race is kind of one of my favorites. It's just good vibes up there. Good people, good river. Sorry to miss it. (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Ash was on my wish list for a while. I don't know about that one though. What's the Callahan like? It's awesome.
6: Um, Yeah, it's sweet. It's a class five, it's got a 15 foot, 20 foot waterfall on it, and a rapid called ODB, which has changed a little bit this year to make it a bit spicier. Lots of people are getting surfed in there and worked. So it's pretty pretty entertaining. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I haven't been up to the Ashloo since they had releases on it they, they still have like a scheduled release on the Ashloo don't they
6: yep yeah, so they schedule it through uh, March I think it's March and then August and September Okay,
0: and then it just does it's thing in the summertime
6: summertime you can catch overflow um, it's pretty rare to catch it but you can uh, I think at the minute, it's just a bit scary because there's lots of new wood getting shifted around in there.
1: What's your winter like up there, Jen? Like when when are you kind of like, can you paddle, are you paddling all winter or are you kind of, there's like a chunk of the winter when it's, you're like skiing?
6: Uh, yeah, there's a chunk of the winter where you wouldn't really kayak. Uh, the rivers are super low and even if they were in, you'd struggle to get, get to them just because of the snow. Um, but yeah, i try and do a trip in the winter, somewhere nice and hot trying to escape it I like skiing but it's not it's not my main sport so it's nice to get away um, but there's a lot of fall kayaking when the rain bumps the rivers up so you can kind of paddle through to the end of November and then the snow kind of it settles in and then you can't really get on the rivers again until I don't know I guess February March time what so brought you bad. out there um, I came here on a working holiday visa uh, like four years ago, and just loved it. Loved the kayaking. I had friends here, it's an awesome time, just so much to do on and off the water. Um, yeah, I loved it, fell in love with it. So, yeah, came back and trying to get my PR.
0: How do you make a living out there? What do you do for a living?
6: Uh, at the minute, I'm working two jobs. I'm serving in a restaurant to try and get my PR, um, and I also do. Marketing and design for a stand-up paddleboard company.
0: Okay. and so is kayaking your main sport, your your main fix? I see some mountain bikes yeah, there. Kayaking's behind you. My,
6: yeah, kayaking's my main sport, but I'm really enjoying mountain biking.
0: I hope kayaking's your main sport because if it's not, watch out on the bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <seriously. laughs> oh no! I I was it was awesome. I was I was blown away. Not that you were an underdog, but it was cool to see you just go out there and crush. So
1: Yeah, where have you been, Grace? You don't know about
4: John?
0: I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm in a cave, you know what I mean? So, you know, i got, got some kids. What other stories so you, you got for so us, Jim? So you Jen? go
1: win Green Race. Jet John's yeah. not
0: going to take note. Right, first Green Race. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to come out east. Then we can talk about it. Have you ever been paddling on the east coast?
6: I'm not, no. West is best, right?
0: Uh, The east is the beast. (laughs) No, it's too good out there. You're in the spot, that's for sure, Jen. No doubt about it. Well, what's next for you? What do you got planned? I mean, obviously Callahan Race, but...
6: Yeah, Callahan Race is next on the list, and then I'm kind of stuck grinding uh, for the next little while. I'm just trying to work on my hours for this PR. But the stakine is definitely on my list. That's uh, hopefully somewhere I'm going make it, to make it happen this year. Um, and then after that, I'm not sure. There's talk of a trip to Pakistan later in the year. Um, but yeah, we'll see, see how it all pans out.
0: Have you ever been up to the stakine?
6: I've been twice, but got skunked both times
0: just too high Uh,
6: the first time we went it was the year of the wildfires and we couldn't actually get there and the second time it was too high for us mere mortals
0: I'm just gonna look right now and see what it's running right now have you been checking the (laughs) it's
1: too high right now I I bet it's like 1600 Q max right now
6: (laughs) I don't think it's that high I think it's like a I don't know 1400
2: it's Cat a ball. connoisseur's level
0: <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely a little high right now for you maybe <laughs> well, boys do you have anything else for North Fork Champion
2: no congrats though we were talking yeah. about Gell and I went out to dinner that night we were talking about it for about a half hour so yeah. it's exciting thank you Yeah, yeah. congrats is,
6: yeah, I hope I can go back next year and just put a little smoother run together. You look pretty good to me. You had a killer loop in there.
0: Just going to tell you that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Where can our listeners follow you? Are you an Instagrammer or is there a place that people can check out what you're up to?
6: Uh, I am on Instagram. I don't post a whole lot these days, uh, but I'm Wet. if anyone wants to find me. Okay, there you go. Do you have any
0: sponsors or anybody you'd like to shout out to?
6: My mom and dad have been awesome, um, at Letman has always supported me, and yeah, my friends here, I couldn't do it without the crew of people that I went to the Norfolk with. They're all awesome. So- Joachim Letman was at my wedding,
4: oh, nice.
2: <laughs> believe it or not. seriously? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that dates me a bit. We got married in the Did 30s. you guys get COVID at NFC?
6: Oh yeah, I got COVID <laughs> everyone, everyone that went from BC got COVID
0: Everyone Everywhere got
2: COVID, I think right?
0: God, I yeah. have no idea How I ducked it I, Literally, I have no clue Well, I'm glad you're on the up and up Did you get sick?
6: I was pretty sick But bounced back real quick so that's good. Nice.
0: Well, congratulations, right. and thank you for taking the time to come on the show. And uh, yeah, thanks, John. Thank you guys. Yeah. Good luck in the Callahan race.
6: <laughs> thanks.
0: Bye bye. Later, John. Bye. Such a humble slayer. Totally.
2: All right, we got to wrap things up here. We have fewer mail. P Fast. I gotta do my my P Fast thing.
0: Yeah, let's hear about P Fast. Are we gonna talk about the thing that can't be talked about or are we gonna to wait to see what the listeners think about talking about what shall not be spoken of? Okay. All right. We'll move <laughs> on. Lewis just gave us the grouchy face. All right. Yeah. Tell us about P Fast. I've never next? heard of All this right. P Fast. You were gonna tell us about P Fast. P Fast. PFAS. P-F-A-S.
2: P-F-A-S. Uh, it stands for, um, I got to make sure I get this right, polyfluoroalkyl. Stuff. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, stuff. I just know <laughs> it's <as> PFAS. <laughs> Um, yeah, PFAS is these fluorocarbons that are in like the way we would most often see it would be in water repellent finishes on, on rain gear or dry tops or dry suits. Right. Um, so like if you buy, if you buy pretty much any piece of outdoor gear that could get wet, uh, for many decades, people have been spraying. We all hear.
0: That was weird. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah.
2: Manufacturers been spraying a durable, durable water repellent finish on the fabric, the outside of the fabric, and you know that's what makes water beat up on the surface of things like my top or dry suit. You know, there's some misconceptions out there that this actually makes the garment waterproof. It doesn't, because you know customers call and be like, "My waterproofing came off, and my jacket's wetting out." That's not what's happening. That water repellent finish is coming off, and it's making the water soak into the yarn. Doesn't really mean that the, the it doesn't mean the jacket's not pretty anymore, but it does mean it won't breathe anywhere near as well and in fact when the yarn wets out you know especially with <clears if> <cold, throat> really bad condensates inside a jacket well uh, as it turns out these the the chemicals in these water repellent finishes are terrible they're called forever chemicals and they're in a lot of things um you'd find them like not only in water pellet finishes but cookware like teflon cookware you'd find it like in popcorn bags you'd find it like in upholstery like scotch guard type stuff um and they're we're just starting to learn i mean I, i suspect that people out there know how bad these things really are and they're terrible and they don't go away and you you know people are going into like ski hills and digging a foot of soil and finding you know like a foot down deep there's still pfas and and they're finding pfas and these fluorocarbons and in, in people's bloodstreams everywhere. And it's a really, I think it's, it's something that I, a lot of people don't know about right now, but I think over the next year or so it's going to blow up. And in fact, the state of California and I think New York and Maine are looking at it outlawing the production and or sale of products that have these, these PFAS chemicals in them. Um, which would mean, you, you know, as a manufacturer, you know, I think everyone in paddle sports will immediately stop using durable water repellent finishes on their garments. I, I don't think that's a huge deal. I mean, your jackets are going to wet out and won't be, they they won't seem quite as dry because of the condensation the inside of are just not going to breathe as well. But it's a small price to pay. It's not for lack of looking. I mean, we've been, manufacturers have been looking for replacement for this stuff for a long time. I mean, 20 years, I think, Javon Schnard started, started griping about this, and there's been no solutions forthcoming. Um, but it's a real thing, and it's going to affect all of your outdoor gear. And I think we're at a tipping point where it's just about to become a big, big deal. The more I look into this, the more I realize how bad it is. And in fact, I've been talking to some of our manufacturers, in our sport like Hokkaido. We've been talking with them about it, and you know, kind of the you know what what we're going to do as an industry. But it's a mess for sure.
1: And so, and you'd share with me that this is also an integral like component of Gore Tex.
2: Yeah, so you know, there's two different there's two different basic camps of, of waterproof breathable laminates out there. Uh, one are Teflon based, uh, Teflon based um, laminates like Gore Tex, um, and the other ones are polyurethane based. We don't use a Teflon based one. Gore Tex laminates are Teflon based. Gore Tex had a patent on that until the mid '90s, but you can go out and get Teflon based laminates from any many you know any number of mills right now. But the obstacle that Gore Tex has is that that these fluorocarbons are inherent in the Gore laminate itself. It's not just the waterproof coating on the outside of it. And I think Gore has a roadmap to eliminating these in their product lineup. But it's a little more, it's a steeper road for that product for sure. Like I, I'm, ex- I'm, I don't want to speak out of school here. Um, but I do know that that it's a more of a tricky situation for for products with Teflon in it. Um. And so, I
1: mean, so knowing how bad this stuff, so when you say it's bad, is it like, what specifically are the effects? Like, it's like a, like a human health issue. It's an yes, environmental issue. It's both.
2: It's human health issue. Cause there's PFAS, these, these fluorocarbons are, are everywhere and they're really pervasive like and cancer they, don't go, they don't really dissolve. I think cancer causing re- a lot of reproductive issues, stuff like that. So, uh, it, there's still, I don't want to, there's just a lot of speculation and I do think there's a, there's there's going to be some pretty scary news about this stuff coming out in the next year or so, like, like really scary news.
1: Um, And so are you, I mean, I assume you are making plans to eliminate this entirely.
2: Of course. Yeah. And what it'll mean is you'll see our products as soon as we possibly can not have water repellent finishes on it. And it won't just be us. It'll be every, every outdoor brand you can think of, Uh, you you know, for no other reason, because they're gonna be illegal. You know, you can't, You can't be in business if you can't sell products in California, (laughs) Uh, you know. And or nor should we, you know. But that goes above and beyond the fact we shouldn't be using the stuff anyway. Um, So it's just a,
0: yeah. So when you say little heads up, when you say they're finding these PFAS in like the slopes of ski areas and whatever, it's just like radiating from their clothes into the ground. I
2: think in that case, it's coming off their ski wax. If I was Uh, to guess,
0: okay,
2: yeah. And like I think the I think the ski racing association banned all PFAS based waxes and in their products years ago, um, for that reason. But that's I mean that's just a drop in the bucket. Um, wow, it's you know and like I said it's not it's not just outerwear. I mean this stuff's in a lot of different products that we use every single day. Uh, but hmm.
0: well, that's definitely something yeah. I've never heard of.
2: You're like I said. I think we're at a point where it's something. It's not like we need any more bad news, but we're gonna. I think most people are gonna hear about this here soon. Did
0: you guys see that hydro jet video I sent you? Nice segue. Uh, yeah, it's
2: horrible. <laughs> and all the charm of like someone blowing their leaf blower at six thirty in the morning outside your house. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the video, Geltman.
1: I saw the preview and I then did not watch it because it's I, some
2: guy in like a fishing boat and it's like he's like shooting out <laughs> across the water. It's horrible. And you're go did ahead you and make your sales pitch for this. Do you see how fast he was going, dude? Look
0: <laughs> at <let's get> a <laughs> jet ski. <laughs> oh, he's got. You should dig through his uh, Instagram. There, he's got some cool designs that are definitely going to be the future.
2: Yeah, I'll definitely dig
0: into that. Um. <laughs> Should we get into some listener mail here? <laughs> I think Let's it's it. badass. I mean, you sent me a long email explaining how this will never happen, and I said it's going to be here within three years, and you said no way. So, what's that? Uh, e-powered whitewater kayak. Well, my point is, who's making this?
2: Like, who's 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 doing the R and D right now on this? Dagger. What company? You think Dagger? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's going to
2: integrate. They're-, <laughs> <kind> of <laughs> they're integrating it with their product. fishing
0: line and bringing it over. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh-huh. <sighs> Speaking of dagger, this listener mail comes at us from Larry Boothby. Are you guys ready to get into this? I don't want to speak out of turn here um what's up y'all what the hell is going on with dagger their boats are impossible to get and i've spoken to people at two different retailers who are seriously frustrated with them right now is this a covid thing a supply chain thing a combination of both or is it pelican throwing the whitewater community under the bus in favor of walmart walmart sit on tops the last one by the way is getting legs i've heard it a couple of times but since you guys seem to have your fingers on the pulse of the whitewater world i figured i would ask you And what about the Scorch X? You started to say something about it during the last show, but you got waylaid with other things. Keep the shows coming, Larry Larry Boothby. Well, I said my opinion, I think they're working on the first E-Whitewater kayak. What do you guys think?
2: I, I, I don't have any inside knowledge, but I do reserve the right, with 25 years of experience in this industry to say that I have never seen a really good outcome for whitewater when whitewater companies get bought by bigger companies. I, uh, but the answer the question, to, to be fair, who, who hasn't had delivery issues in, in, in the past year? You, that, I don't think it's fair to target them for that. Yeah,
1: I got to say, they seem like they've been no bet worse than anybody else. Seems yeah, fine. I mean,
2: try buying a mountain bike right now. Forget
0: about it. I got to give a shout out to Todd Wells. Because Todd right. has taken over some of the work at Dagger. And in my work with them, he is the most responsive and best to communicate with and work with them over the past 20 years. Right. And
2: to that point, I mean, when Daggers working with people like Todd Wells, it says to me that they have not lost interest in Whitewater. Yeah, I don't
0: don't think they have either. A power power move, right? I I, I think 100%, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I was going to rave about Todd, but. I already blew that one, so I got something else I can rave about. Um, all right, thanks for that, Larry. Um, hey, beaters and bros. I wanted to share some of the most recent experience I've had at Whitewater Technology. This is a long email that comes at us over the course of January, February, March, April, all the way up into May. And this comes at us from Eli Nicholson. And anyway, he had uh, he had some problems with new paddle company, Whitewater technology. What do you guys think about this?
2: Well there, you we have another email that says that they're still they're still they're still kicking it, still yeah. working on it.
0: Yeah, so another guy, um, Eel Niston, or cryptically Justin Lee um sent us an email saying things were back on at whitewater technology so we're going to have to get one of those guys on from the horse's Absolutely. mouth before we yeah spread too much hearsay on this it would be cool to see somebody else making whitewater paddles for sure i mean
2: it's interesting to me because the ecosystem for paddles in the us is so fragile you know we're dependent on basically one manufacturer right now and you can talk about these overseas manufacturers bringing paddles in but that's not a long-term solution. You, you know what I mean? Um, you, we need to have a domestic manufacturer of kayak paddles to, you know, at least one. And even just having one like we do right now basically is, is sketchy.
0: I mean, how are shipping costs messing with you right now, Weld? I mean, it's got to be just nuts.
2: <clears throat> yeah, shipping costs are insane. You know, that's why I'm question. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm questioning what EJ is thinking in terms of shipping boats from Portugal you know, I mean, no, no boat company in the U.S. right now. Uh, it, well, Piranha brings boats in, in container, so I, I shouldn't say that. But yeah, you know, let's put it this way: we used to pay about eight, eight, or eight thousand dollars to have a container come across the Pacific, and it's twenty-four to twenty-six thousand dollars right now, and that's been that's over an increase we've seen over three years. God, and so, it's got.
1: I mean, it's got to be easier for you just because your products are like physically smaller than the kayak right i mean like it's yeah. bad but it's like you're spreading yeah. that cost out over a lot
2: shipping of- paddles isn't necessarily the issue the issue is having the in-house ability to do warranty and repairs and customer service that's where it falls apart for paddles right boats are a little bit different because they're big you're shipping a whole bunch of air and that's that's why you know these boats all these boat companies still wrote them all boats in the u.s is because it just makes no sense to put 14 boats in a container that doesn't add up you know what i mean Um, but you can't you know these overseas paddle manufacturers they're always going to be they're just going to be small potatoes until they have production in the U.S. where they have people who can take care of the customers post sale right because paddle is one of those things that has to have that has to
0: Michael Flynn says can you do some more episodes like the story time with Annie and Benny we have long drives, drives ahead of us and need the entertainment thanks we yeah, need to who do who has a
2: good story out there?
0: There's a lot of people we can bring on.
2: Like, give me one. I know there is, but I, I need. Let's just talk
0: one. I think we need to bring like a uh, Willie Kern. Mm. I'd love to do a Willie Kern. Be awesome. uh, I think. Be awesome. I think it'd be yeah. killer to do an Art Sheffling. Yeah, that would be really good. Um, Did
1: you know who we never had on? Who we really should invite is a uh,
2: Stuxbury.
0: Stooksbury. Yeah. I invited Stooksbury, but you guys bailed on the show.
2: What are you talking about?
0: No, I'm telling you, this was a while back. I had them all lined up and, like, Lewis had a policy and Weld had something. I don't have anything. Yeah, good point. (laughs) Um... (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, moving on, we've got uh, Mike Kuriak. He says, hey, John, just listened to the latest episode. Heard you comment early on I want a pack raft, and I noted that none of your co-hosts even acknowledged the comment. They don't yet know what they're missing. Um, I also noted that you're going to be out here for NFC. I live in Garden Valley, a.k.a. Crouch, just east of Banks. I've got a small pile of pack rafts that I use for various missions, depending on the season, happy to put you in one and show you the local goods while you're out here. Uh, Drop a line if interested. Mike, I was on a short trip out there. I had to leave that next Sunday and get our production trailer out to California for another job. But I definitely would have taken you up on this, and I got a trip that we're all going to go on, the Hammer Factor, whole Hammer Factor crew, in like late November, early December next year. We're going to do a pack rafting trip in the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I'll do that. Sick. One week in, one week out. So check this out. So you don't need a permit to backpack raft the Grand Canyon, but you can only go five miles a day or something like that. They have a limit on how many days you can go. So you'll just hike in at Hance, run all the big rapids over the course of like three or four days, Hermit, whatever, take out at Bass, hike out at Bass. And you'll just be able to do all these side hikes, get right in the meat of the canyon, run all the badass rapids, boom, in-out, one week, door-to-door, not have to deal with any permit. You guys in? Yeah, I'm in. All right. Geltman?
1: I I thought you were only allowed to go like nine miles or five miles on the river.
2: So Geltman's out. Per (laughs) day. I'm in, Grace. Per day.
0: Huh. Per day, but okay. you but you Sir. can do like you could we we could do like thirty miles over the course of like a five six day in there trip. Okay, come on, it's gonna be badass. All right, so I got three. There's a couple other boys from Asheville who are in, so we'll have a good crew in there. It's gonna be sick, dude. I'm telling you, I'm gonna start working on this trip this year after Green Race. Um, Andy says from Santa Fe, I get that every show cannot be a shark versus bear, but, <laughs> shark versus bear, but come on, Sparrow's raves about bidgets, bidets, what's bite-its?
2: Bidets. Oh, bidets. Bidets. bidets.
0: <laughs> Jet-propelled composite kayaks, God, we've already messed this up for him. Um, no more everything is fucked, he calls them e <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, like, what do we have left? Come no, on, boys. Well, I'm going to introduce Lewis's segment from now on as the ER. Um, Bring back ABRG. Interview some people who are actually kayaking awesome rivers and get back to shaming people for not using ridiculous paddle, link, paddle links and what is this top shelf business. If I have to pay $1,400 a month, I'm done. Please explain. Rant over. I absolutely love the show. Andy from Santa Fe. Andy, I don't know what to tell you. Keep listening. We'll do better.
2: He's right. He's right because how can you beat shark versus bear? That was the high point. The high point of the show as we transitioned from statistics into shark versus bear. That ten or fifteen second overlap was.
0: That was brilliant. Eighty-eight
2: shows later, that was the pinnacle.
0: That was definitely brilliant. I have very fond memories of that. One of these days, when I have some time, I'm just gonna pull highlights from all the shows out, and just post them. Yeah, because yeah. there are some in there. Um, I don't know what this one, what what uh, this one's talking about coming from our boy Kevin. He says, "I'm not sure what it says about your show, but 87 episodes in." The most valuable piece of inform- information I've received from the show is about the tushy. Life-changing. Yeah, that's
6: is, right. Is this about
0: you? Right. So, yeah, my bidet. It, okay, so this is all about <laughs> the bidet? Okay. How so did I miss this? Next, Was I working on, on something? Talk.
2: I got Tyler Brought, world, world waterfall champion on the bidet, all, on the tushy also. He's <laughs> oh, in. God. I got the kid who works for me bought one also. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Send me the link. It's the real deal. (laughs) Is that really how you spell bidet?
4: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Holy heck. (laughs) How do you think you spell it?
0: (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was like some O-E-U-X on the end or something, you know? That's (laughs) That's the dough. <laughs> All right, let's touch real quickly here before we get into rants and raves on this new plant-based material that could replace plastics. Did you guys read this article? No, no, it's a waste. <laughs> I mean, come on, it sounded really promising. This gel made from the cellulose of plants of uh, the cells of plants. It resisted cracking. Mm -hmm. It was super lightweight, held up to high temperatures. Like, what's not to love? Mm Mm-hmm. Lewis, did you
2: read the Uh, article? Nothing. Sure, it's going to be great. Uh -uh. They're making kayaks out of this?
0: No, but they have made some things out of it. and uh, I'm going to get my buddy who (laughs) works at MIT to... Is a professor at MIT to come on and talk about this? Get Ryan.
2: Get Ryan. I thought get Ryan to come on.
0: He seemed to know what he's talking about. Ryan Bond. Yeah. We just had Ryan on. He told us there was no hope. It was the most depressing <laughs> episode ever. Yeah. I mean, we no, sat there right. for an hour he's and a half, right. and we're like, we're he's done. Right. You're done. I, exp-
2: I really expressly wanted him to come on just so like people, I could, I could have someone else explain to people that there was no hope.
0: Okay.
2: All right. There you go. No hope. And yeah, to, to Walter, did you get to see my letter from my buddy, uh, Walter?
0: Yeah, I didn't understand that either. I did, yeah. Tell me
2: about <clears throat> that. I'm just going to answer his question. Yes, he is the other half of the Beavis and the Butthead of Brookmont. <laughs> <laughs> got being one and Ryan being the other. I don't remember who was
0: who with that equation, but <laughs> yeah. All I saw from that email was, Valley Mill! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've rambled on long enough. Is there anything we missed that we should jump into here before we get into everyone's favorite segment of the show, Rants and Raves?
2: Yeah, Geltman, real quick, what did you think about them cutting the wood out at Oregon's lot?
1: Um, I was unhappy about it. Wait,
0: you got to preface the the story um, and go back. You can't just... So going yeah.
2: into the white, the, as you approach the white water, there's a huge log jam at this rapid, this thing called Oregon slot. And you usually go to the river left and you eddy out on the river left. And I've even, I mean, I knew there's a log jam there, but I never really paid attention to it because it's kind of a class, shallow class two leading up to this thing. There's a gigantic log jam. And evidently a couple of weeks ago, someone floated into this log jam. I'm not exactly sure how that transpired, but he drowned. And as of yet, I don't think they found the body. Um, and so uh, some people went in to uh, presumably, to try and find his body, but also were cutting some wood out of there. And I guess either accidentally or somehow they cut a couple of linchpins of wood out of this thing and kind of blew this thing open. Um did this right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was generally on purpose. And I mean, I think the problem is that it, it put a bunch of wood downstream into getting busy, but it's not it's not so bad. And you can now run the right side of Oregon slot, which is something I had, you know, never done in 15 years of paddling out here or more. And um, so that's nice. Um, I think we'd always had this, this sense that maybe that log jam was good because it was like preventing wood from washing down into the run um, just sort of straining things out a little bit. But at the same time, it's like, it's not like that thing was really growing. So like, if it were really doing that, it would have been getting bigger all the time, which it mm-hmm. wasn't doing. Right. So, you know, maybe it's for the best.
4: Hmm.
0: Yeah. it's a sad story. But, yeah. But yeah. There's
2: two deaths there. on the little white. A
0: couple of weeks. One was a non paddler.
1: Hiker fell in its spirit. Expect to
2: see more of that.
0: Are you serious? A hiker fell in its spirit? Were paddlers in, yep. there when it happened?
2: I think it I happened know. late in the evening. Before I hear it, happened in the evening. And I don't know. I heard they were doing some extraction of pieces of the hiker at the dam.
1: I mean, it's that's going to be like a multiple times a summer occurrence from here out for sure.
0: Is it still getting more and more popular in there to hike in there?
1: Oh
2: yeah. Yeah, it's it definitely hit radar.
0: That's sad. It's sad to hear that. All right, let's close it down, boys. Who's got a rant and who's got a rave? I'll lead us on. I've I've kind of got a I've kind of got a weak rave here, but it's a it's a good rave for me. So I took uh, my oldest son, eight years old, kayaking, whitewater kayaking for the first time in a hard boat, and. He loved it. We went on this Class 2 section of the French Broad. I put him in a Scorch X with a 200-centimeter, 45-degree paddle, and uh, he just crushed it the whole way down. and No spray skirt, and it was just awesome seeing his little little self in that boat going over features and skipping rocks and doing inadvertent booths and whatever. But that's not really my rave. My rave is... He looks good in those pictures he sent, man. There, did you see his stroke? I mean, I don't want to brag, yeah, but like, it was like... You... Yeah, he
2: looked good, dude. But, <laughs> but, Such a mistake. But this You're going to where... have to look like Landon and Brian here in a couple of
0: years. <laughs> 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 oh, I can only hope <laughs> to get there. Um, but, like, uh, but I'm not going to rave about that. I'm going to rave about the past two years since he was six. He's paddled a ducky, like on the lower green. No stress, no worries, no, don't, I, I don't really teach anything or whatnot, but going from the ducky into the kayak, he automatically knew how to control it. It wasn't spinning out on him the whole nine yards. So I'm just going to rave about teaching little kids and duckies before you ever put them in a hard
2: boat. You're planning to start reserving your spot in world class now, the way it's filling up for the kayak program. <laughs> I'm just saying.
1: I heard that. I heard they had a, a banner year of applicants and had to actually turn people away. Yeah,
2: Aiden, Mike could, couldn't get back in. I'm not sure if he's entirely committed to going back to the paddle school. He's in the biking thing, but he couldn't get, he, I don't think there's space for him. Is he going back to the bike school in the fall? hmm
1: Damn. Look at you.
2: I know. Let's not talk about this right now. It's a whole other subject.
0: Well, it's, I mean, you, you got it. You can't, you can't doubt that there's going to be a high demand for that. I mean, you know, the, the public schools oh, no. basically just shut down for a while. And then they, when they went back, it was kind of like just They got it two more years before they figure it out again. You know? So no.
2: And you know, yeah, no, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the, of the program for sure. I don't, I don't know that it's right for every kid. Like my younger kid, what he has no interest in, or would he thrive in that kind of environment by any means, but for Aiden it's perfect. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm a proponent, you know, uh, the guy who runs a biking program, um, Riley, did a post on Pink Bike about it. And, you know, I made the mistake of reading these things because you did a really nice job of writing about it. And then it's like 70, 70 trolls on there just hammering them and calling, you know, it's like the, the ultra, the, the super wealthy and all this horseshit about who's going to this thing and, you know, the rich, snotty kids or whatever. And, ah, uh, just makes me so angry. Because farthest thing from the case.
0: Anyway. Well, it's definitely not something All right, I'm gonna everybody rave. can do. Let's hear it.
1: I'm going to rave about uh, Aaron Prusin. Um, oh, wow. I I don't know. I, I mean, there's a lot of things to rave about AP 4 but it was just um, what particularly brings it to mind for me was just watching his... You know, the success, success of kids from the Jackson kids paddling program at NFC. And, you know, Aaron racing, you know, racing the qualifiers, like in his early 50s, like two of his sons raced, crushing, and just, you know, seeing how stoked Aaron was to see like Owen and Wyatt Doyle. And, Team Wien. Um, yeah, Team Ween, Luke Landino. And like those guys were, were crushing, just like really, really raised well, and just, um, I don't know, seeing how, seeing Aaron's, like, enthusiasm for all that, just, like, his pride in those boys, like, it really, um, I don't know, brings home, you know, how much joy there is to be had, and, like, you know, helping people coming up, and it made me want to do more of that, and it was just cool to see, uh, I don't know, the success that he's sort of spread into that community.
0: I'll second that, seeing all that come to fruition for him out there, and, yeah, no, that's that's super badass.
2: We gonna have Team Wien come on?
0: We should. Oh yeah, guys are getting
1: after it. Oh yeah, there. Be good for us to have some people on who are, you know, not
2: sixty. <laughs> there's a good rivalry. Yeah, there's a good rivalry <laughs>
0: going on between uh, the Voorhees brothers and the Doyle brothers right now. Like it's it's pretty hot rivalry. We should get all four of them on and just let them go at each other's throats. <laughs> 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 world i'm
2: gonna rave about uh i'm gonna rave about lvm
0: lunch video magazine that's right have you been watching some not of a, i mean probably
2: no but like not hardly certainly not a month goes by but maybe even not even almost a week doesn't go by where lvm doesn't take part in some reference or conversation you know now granted i'm kind of in a, i'm in a weird you am know, in the industry, so but LVM keeps coming up as some kind of touchstone, as marketing or cultural or something that people saw in LVM or some reference point. And I think it's high time we did an LVM Hammer Factor edition, or a Hammer Factor LVM edition, and bring Spencer Cook on. Uh,
0: I will. I will talk about LVM anytime, for sure.
2: Where you go? All right. Yeah, you're going through the archive the other day, and I, I don't know. I just it. uh it's an amazing body of work when you think about it. Yeah,
0: well, well... It's like
1: a, it's like a very interesting, like, sort of transitional media genre, sort of pre-internet, but that, like, mm-hmm. foretold internet era in a lot of ways.
2: Another guy I ran into, and <laughs> it was Will Lyons. <clears throat> Slick Willie? What's he up to? Yeah, he's telling me a story about the white pickup truck.
0: Which white pickup
2: truck? The cow? The one... The one that I sold you that you never finished paying me for, that
0: one. (laughs) You know that's absolutely not the truth. I don't think so. (laughs) You know that that is absolutely not the truth.
2: I still actually have the books. We have to keep books that, you know, so I have the books to to prove it too. I have the books to prove it as well. (laughs) I'm sure you (laughs) don't. But (laughs) he was basically that truck breaking down. He was trying to hook up with some chick. And him leaving you on the side of the road somewhere
0: in Colorado. Does this all sound familiar? Yeah, all this really happened. Yeah, that but, was a great story. Will doesn't know it, but he was pretty much at the end of LVM. Don't ever tell him that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He pretty much put the nail in the
2: coffin. <laughs> well, if we do an LVM retrospective, we can bring him on to be like the end cap.
0: All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 88. Do you got anything to add in there? Nick, I'll find your message from Idaho Rivers United because he gave me a. He's the guy who stuffed the twenty bucks in my pocket, and he, <laughs> he he sent me a an email of some badass things that Idaho Rivers United were working on, and I couldn't find it. I don't know where it's at. Oh, if you're listening all the I think, way, I
2: think you can Venmo. Got one in my in my six dollars and thirty three cents from that twenty. By the way. Do you have our
0: information? Did we already talk about this? We've already got a text chain. I can bring it back up if you want, if you want me to bring it back up. We've already got a chain about this. This is already settled. You guys owe me money. But <laughs> but having said that, um, I'll get that email. Big shout out to Nick and Idaho Rivers United. Those guys are badass. Bye-bye. All right.